Penguins are opening the Stanley Cup playoffs in just a couple of days. And I'm sorry, I'm not feeling it. I don't know if you're feeling it. I don't even know if the players are feeling it. But you know what? We've all got no choice here in the very near future. Good morning to you. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio, our podcasting platform that's available to you on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Anchor, everywhere, everywhere that podcasts can be downloaded. And we hope that you set ours to automatic downloads. That helps us out an awful lot. Game one of Penguins versus Canadiens is Saturday at 8.08 p.m. up in Toronto. I'd love to say that I'm looking forward to it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I've seen the caliber of the practices. I've seen the caliber of the scrimmages in covering those up in Cranberry. I watched the Penguins and Flyers exhibition. It was awful. I watched at least parts of a couple other exhibitions, also awful. I have an incredibly hard time believing that a magic switch is going to be flipped that's going to make the hockey even palatable through this qualifying round and really on to the first round. I think it's going to be a good while until you see anything remotely resembling regular season hockey let alone playoff hockey in this time. And for a team like the Penguins, man, that's a that's a challenge because this is a group that requires and is required by Mike Sullivan to do things in tight quarters and in tight cooperation. He wants to see a mass of penguins in most areas of the rink, moving in packs, focusing on the puck. When you hear something funny, Sullivan, Mark Recchi, and Jacques Martin will, after a game or the day after a game, do a video study that counts the number of sticks, not just bodies, but sticks that you can find near a puck in a certain quadrant of the rink. Not all quadrants are created equal, of course, so... There's an emphasis on 50-50 pucks, uh, neutral zone battles where a turnover can be created or a turnover can be given up. And they'll just count sticks. Why didn't we have enough sticks here? Why do we only have two sticks here? Where was the third stick? Where was the fourth stick? They don't see a number of sticks as being too high in my conversations with them. That is a tough tough brand of hockey to just snap your fingers and get going. My goodness, did this coaching staff try up in Cranberry. Second day, second day up there, I was up there watching these guys go through these drills in which they were carving the rink up into like one-eighths and saying you can't leave here, but go ahead and battle for the puck. The collective thinking here is obvious. The more we have the puck, the less they have it. The more we have it, the better our chances of scoring, the less are their chances. It takes a game that can be occasionally overcomplicated by some people 
into something that's really pretty simple. Sullivan is a big, big, big puck possession guy. We want the puck at all times. We want it at all points of the rink. Our priority is to get the puck. There's going to be all kinds of analysis you're going to hear about Penguins versus Canadians, and a lot of that's going to be at least trying to be respectful to Montreal's chances in this series. And as such, it's going to go past, you know, the usual, hey, Carey Price is a pretty good goalie, to here's this guy who can hurt you, and here's Montreal coming at you with a lot of speed. And the Canadians do have some faster guys up front. In my eyes, that doesn't matter. Uh, Defending Montreal's forecheck isn't going to be that big of a deal for the Penguins. Here's what Sullivan had to say about that specific issue to reporters yesterday from Toronto. You know, we're going to have to do a good job getting back to pucks quickly. We're going to have to help one another. Uh, We're going to have to offer some interference coming through that neutral zone to buy time for our defensemen. And, and then we're going to have to be on the same page and execute. We're going to have to be able to handle their pressure. So, uh, you know, their quickness is, is a strength of their game. And, and I think one of the ways that quickness manifests itself is in their forecheck. See, he has to do that. He, he has to have the Penguins thinking defense first. He has to have them focused on staving off Montreal's forecheck because he knows that if the Penguins take care of business in their own zone and they do move the puck up, quickly that their chances of success at the other end are going to be that much greater. I'm telling you from my countless conversations with all of these coaches, including Sullivan in recent years, that what they are looking for primarily at the root is to just get that puck. You're going to see personnel decisions based on, on who's winning 50-50 pucks. You already have seen that, really, for a long time now. A small example, especially since he's not going to be playing in these playoffs since he's out the whole time with Dominic Simone, who had the shoulder surgery and unfortunately won't be back until next season. One of the reasons coaches love this guy is that when they do these studies and they isolate on puck battles and winning 50-50, they look at what they describe as physicality. And we in hockey have forever thought about that just as crushing hits. Darius Kasparaitis was a physical player. Rolf Samuelson was a physical player. You don't think of Dominic Simone that way. They see it differently. They see Simone using what they consider to be remarkable natural strength to win pucks in any situation that he goes into. That's why he gets these super high Corsi ratings. That's why players love playing with him. He wins the puck and he gets it to them, and then he lets them make plays. If you don't have the puck, it doesn't matter how awesomely skilled you are because you can't do anything without it. That's the kind of players, that's the kind of plays that Sullivan has valued. In order to succeed against Montreal, the Penguins are going to have to do something that they did not come close to doing in practices, scrimmages, and definitely not that grisly exhibition against the Flyers. 
in which, by the way, the Flyers were just as bad. All of the hockey is bad. I'm not picking on the Penguins here. It's just bad. What I'm pointing out here is that the, the Penguins need to be cohesive. Maybe some other teams might not, like a Colorado and an Edmonton that are just flying all over the rink and throwing 90-foot passes. The Penguins need to work as a tight unit. Marcus Pedersen would tell me this all the time. He'd just keep, keep pointing out again and again, it's got to be five guys. It's got to be five, all five, all five. When that happens, it's actually a very pretty thing to watch occasionally with the Penguins. They will touch the puck, and I mean touch, like as in one touch passes, as well as anyone in hockey, including in their own zone. Boom, 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 boom to get out. But again, that's a hard thing to coach. It's a hard thing to just snap your fingers and rev up. And I don't see that happening for Game 1. And that's why I'm concerned about Game 1 and have been focused and harping on Game 1 for months now. Because the math is daunting if you don't win it. The Penguins need that puck. Because some bad things are going to happen in that game. And the chances of something bad happening when they do have the puck, well, unless it's Evgeny Malkin making blind passes into the slot to Kevin Hayes like he did the other night, your chances are so much better, whether it's bad ice, bad rink, bad officiating, bad mojo, bad whatever environment that unsettles you. Go get the puck. The rest of it will take care of itself, but get a lot closer than what you were the other night against the Flyers, because that will actually open up all kinds of lanes for Montreal's mostly mediocre forwards to get odd man breaks, in which case it won't matter whether they're mediocre or not, because odd man breaks are almost always going to favor the attacking team. Take care of business. The business is the puck. When I come back, more pucks. Yeah, it really rained all over that Penguins Flyers exhibition. Huh? But I'm sorry, it was that bad. I mean, I couldn't have imagined at any point during the pandemic shutdown that the first hockey game played anywhere in the NHL coming out of the shutdown would be Pittsburgh versus Philadelphia and it would bore me to tears that by the time we were about five minutes into the second period I actually didn't even care to watch it I mean I did but I didn't care if I did or not it was very you know you can watch something passively and then kind of play around with some files or whatever that you're 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 organizing on your computer screen or your phone or whatever that's what I started doing it just wasn't interesting it wasn't engaging at all uh, some of it I guess you know was the the atmosphere it, it felt incredibly sterile though I guess that's a good thing and you know whenever there's a, a virus going around the world, but it, it, it just wasn't a, it wasn't a great feel. It really wasn't. Um, 
and again, I, I hope that changes. But for the Stanley Cup playoffs, I don't know. See, it's one thing to get used to these baseball settings, and I've been in a bunch of those now for about three weeks. And the Pirates last night at PNC Park cranked up their sound a little bit, got the music up a little louder, got the fans, the artificial fans, a little louder. And it was, it it, it helped. But baseball's different. Baseball kind of has this constant murmur to it, if you will. You know, fans are watching, but they're also talking, and they're waving to the vendor to bring them Cracker Jack or whatever. And it's, it's not the same feel of big-time intensity or anger or emotion that you associate with the Stanley Cup playoffs. And there's no way anyone in Toronto or Edmonton is going to be able to come close to simulating that. So who will? I mean, where will it come from? I don't know. I mean, hockey is a game of emotion. You know, it isn't being quiet while the guy is getting set up on the rubber to throw a baseball. It's just not. And and I don't know where it's going to come from. And I can't imagine how it's not going to have a greater impact on the quality of play then the same situation is going to have in baseball, or even football for that matter. Um, don't laugh that one off. Because in football, remember that when you're the home team and you've got the ball on offense, your quarterback's the one that's telling everybody to shut up. Well, this is the dream come true for the offense in NFL, right? I mean, you can't, you can't do better than having absolutely nobody in the house. The defense feeds off of the crowd and everything, but it's always pre-snap, you know? And even then, when they get to the line of scrimmage, they're calling signals, and they're focused completely on what's there. Hockey's not that. Hockey has a constant flow. You're changing on the fly. Um, You're executing a hit sometimes. You're going uh, after a defenseman on a forecheck or even bumping a goalie based on emotion, based on feel. Maybe not as much now uh, as, say, 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago, but there's still emotion to it. There's still that first two, three, four shifts of a playoff game where the coaches are purposely rolling all four lines so that everyone can get get their blood moving and everything else and there's that extra energy that just can't fake it, you know? You can't fake it. I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to tell you here is that there's a part of me that's just not all that stoked for this. And I don't, you know, I'm certainly not going to go into this with a closed mind. But I'm also not holding my breath expecting that it'll change. This is really strange, the whole thing. I mean, a North American sports league just picked up and left the United States to conduct its playoffs in another country. And yeah, believe me, I'm aware there's seven Canadian franchises and they're kind of instrumental in having grown the sport, to put it mildly. But it's just not going to be the same. I don't think you're going to see much general excitement about the playoffs either. I'm not referring so much to the diehards. Diehard hockey fans are going to sit there Saturday from noon till midnight and watch every every little thing, every game, flipping back and forth on the channels whenever the games overlap. 
Uh, hockey fans are like no other when they're that invested in it. It's not just about your team. It's about the whole sport. Every player fascinates you. You take pride in knowing who's on Anaheim's fourth line. And no, I can't name the Ducks' fourth line. I probably used to be able to do that. I just don't see, with the sport being held somewhere else, uh, there's virtually, as, as you know, no American media up there. As a result, you're not going to see much in the way of general coverage on the national networks. And I know, you know, go ahead with the obligatory shots at ESPN. Yeah, they don't cover hockey anyway, but they're not the only ones that would do it. At the local levels, at the regional levels, you're not going to see much of anything either because those people couldn't send their reporters up any more than we could. You can't get across the border, plain and simple. That's going to have a huge, huge effect. The only people who are unaware of that right now are Gary Bettman and Bill Daly. That's it. They're the only ones who haven't grasped that yet. They picked up and moved to another country, and then they think, eh, that's all right, everything will be fine. It won't. A lot of local coverage is still driven by your basic local newspapers or local TV, and they take a lot of pride, these local outlets, uh, including in Pittsburgh, in having, let's say, live stand-up shots outside the arena, or, hey, let's go to Milt Jones on the scene outside whatever arena. And you see there's Milt Jones, and you see fans screaming in the background and everything, and it looks like that city is really, really into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it gives this whole feel about you can't miss, can't miss it. You know, got to be part of it. None of that's in play here. None of that's in play here. The league picked up and moved. I'm not going to get into the whys and how it was done and everything. I, I've been over all that ad nauseum. My only point here is I think that's going to take away from a lot of the general excitement about this. I think you're going to see people tune out hockey. That, to me, is a concern. As someone who's uh, loved the game, played it, refed it, coached it, I put a lot of my life into hockey. And I'd hate to see it take a big step backward, but I'm pretty sure that's what's about to happen. And that's a shame. That's a shame. There are star players, not just Crosby and Malkin, uh, around the league that are worth promoting, that are going to become virtually invisible to markets in the United States that won't be invested. If you're the, um, let me pick one, I don't know, the Denver Post, let's do that, and the Avalanche are playing in the tournament up in Edmonton. The Avalanche are really, really good. Avs could win the Cup. They had a lot of injuries around the time of the shutdown, uh, including to a lot of their top guys, Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon was banged up, Gabe Landeskog. They were missing a lot of guys. Well, all those guys are back, every last one of them. Avs could win it all. But if you're the Denver Post and you have the Colorado Rockies playing three blocks away and you can get two reporters into the game, and you have the Denver Broncos 
they're down the road a little bit from Denver proper where they train, but they'll be, you know, they'll be playing games here before long. They're enormously popular in Colorado. And you can get reporters there. You're going to go with what you're getting. You know, you're not going to be focused on trying to grab stuff off TV and Zoom calls. I'm sharing this as a hypothetical example for you, just so you don't think it's just me. You don't think it's just about this site. This is going to be a big, bad thing for the NHL. They don't get that yet, but they will. Wait till you see these ratings. Wait till you see these TV ratings. Not for the Penguins, but for the NHL once these playoffs start. It's a shame. This this could be a really, really neat thing. I think, as I said earlier, that by the time you get to the second or third round, you could see some really good hockey. I have every confidence that it's going to be safe for everyone except for people sharing the ice with Tom Wilson. And it's great that there's going to be a Stanley Cup champion in 2020. You hate to leave a blank spot on that trophy. But I just, you know, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm just not. Coming up later today, our Pirates podcast with Alex Stumpf and Noah Hiles will be up at 11 a.m. And I'll be back tomorrow for one last look heading into game one. Thanks for listening to this. I mean it. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your bike, your computer, your window, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home, car, and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you own a firearm, it's your responsibility to store it safely when it's not in use. Choose a system that works for you. Cable locks, lock boxes, and gun safes are some of the most effective ways to protect your family and keep firearms secured. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure and find out how to get a free firearm safety kit. Visit projectchildsafe.org. That's projectchildsafe.org. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance.